I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero. I'm a real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. For the third episode of this glorious show, yes, you heard it here first, I am so excited to chat with an amazing person you definitely will absolutely love hearing from, Amy Gumenick. She's going to be sharing her active imagination as a child and uh, how it got her to where she's at today, having the opportunity to impact others so greatly. Hi, my name is Justina Shave and I am the green butterfly. My superpowers are perseverance to keep going even when things are tough and hope that each day holds the potential for greatness. I'm Cupid. Stupid. Let's rock it. I am The Real Brian. Thank you for joining me here on The Real Brian Show. As always, I really appreciate it. RealBrianShow.com. Go check it out. And again, special thank you to Emily O'Leary, Miss Ice, for rocking these amazing blog posts, keeping me on my toes, having a good time on that one. So I appreciate that. All right. So uh, I am chatting with Amy Gumenick today, who is an amazing person, as I already said. And uh, I got a chance to meet her at Heroes and Villains Fan Fest just recently. Uh, I saw her in the role as Cupid on Arrow. And uh, man, I, I was like, Dude, this girl is psycho. She's crazy. And when I was told that she was going to be on my panel that I was hosting, I thought, oh, man, I <laughs> I hope she doesn't kill me or, you know, something crazy like that. No, not really. But I really actually was a little kind of curious, you know, like she kind of like this or what? Or, I don't know. But anyway, I met her and I thought, wow, what a real nice person. So not at all like her character on Arrow. And it's uh, it's great to see that. I love it when, you know, actors can be so different than their real selves. It's wonderful. So we're going to have a chance to chat with her in just a few minutes. But please do go to realbrianshow.com. Love to hear from you. Love to hear any feedback you've got. Also, please go to Patreon, patreon.com slash realbrianshow. Do check it out and uh, would just be completely honored if you chose to help support this show and get the show running off the ground as always. It's just going to be so big. I've got so much for it. So many ideas, so much to bring you, and I can't wait to share that much more with you. A little bit about Amy. She is an actor among many, many talents and experiences and she's acted in shows like How I Met Your Mother, Castle, Grimm, Grey's Anatomy, most recently NCIS, actually. I believe that was uh, last week. Uh, but those, just to name a few, as well as Supernatural as young Mary Winchester and Arrow as Cupid. Amy, welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So before we get started, I have to say, you know, uh, it's funny because we're... I think this is funny anyway. It's not funny to deal with, but we're both dealing with colds right now yeah wah, wah. i know I, I, you know i haven't actually been sick in over a year which i'm super thankful for and so when this one hit i was like ouch yeah you know it really makes you so grateful for your health when you're not 100 percent. yeah and i always think about it. i take such good care of myself when i'm not feeling well i should do that all year <laughs> round i was and just thinking I the same thing <laughs> i was like man i'm not eating any sugar i'm eating super I healthy know. i'm getting a lot of sleep and i'm like yeah i should do that all the time Mm-hmm. Oops. It's okay. Good little reminders. I'll take the, the minor cold as a reminder that I should take care of myself. But you know, you, you like sugar, right? I do. So yeah. Are you, <laughs> what's your, what's your sugar weakness? Chocolate. Is it? Yeah. Mine's cookies, like good Ooh. soft out of the oven cookies. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have chocolate in them, so I guess it would count. Yeah. Oh, I, I'd go for a good hot fresh baked cookie for yeah. sure. There's this one cookie and it's uh it, it wow. Uh it's I I'm embarrassed to even admit that I I eat this but thankfully I don't eat the whole thing in one sitting because I tried it once and it didn't end well. <laughs> but it's a, it's an amazing cookie. It's called the Wookie and the it Wookie. Yeah. So, you know, it it kind of I, I don't know, it's white and black, so I guess it could be like Chewbacca's fur. I don't know. But whatever. The point is is that it was <laughs> I, I like I said I'm embarrassed to admit this, but it's it's a chocolate chip cookie. 
and then about, I don't know, an inch of cookie dough in between and then a double chocolate fudge chunk cookie on the bottom. And then it's oh, like what? dipped in white chocolate and dark chocolate. That's the white. Where and black. do you find such a thing? It's a, a place called Mary's Mountain Cookies in Colorado. Oh, man. And, okay, uh, that is good that they're not close to me. I know. I keep telling him that. I'm like, you know, you guys need to move out of the city because it's bad here. But, you know, I, yeah. I, what I do is I take it and I'll freeze it and I'll eat a little bit. And it's only like on my cheat day. Oh, you have amazing self-control. I do oh not think gosh. I'd be capable of that. As no. I like sit here, Google, do they deliver to California? <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> Don't tell me that. In fact, I'm, I no, I won't say anything. <laughs> they I don't. Know. You have to eat it there while they're watching in person. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I take mine home. They There's a, um, I, I work with kids, which yeah. we may or may not get to. Yeah. Um, but they, we do a bunch of like, you know, fundraising bake sales and stuff. And there is one of my students, she has her like famous cookie that she always makes. And I don't think she made this up. This is an actual thing. It, I think it's called the slutty cookie or the slutty brownie. <laughs> and it's a layer of cookie, a layer of brownie, and then Oreos on the bottom. Oh my gosh. So you make it like in a brownie pan. Yeah. And then when you cut it, you get like a little slice of all three things. And so the other day we were planning this upcoming like fundraiser bake sale that we're doing. And there were some younger kids in the room and she didn't know how to say what it is she wanted to make. So she just was like, you know, the, the cookies I always make, they're, it's kind of an inappropriate name. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay. You can make your inappropriate cookies. They're delicious. Oh, we'll just call them something good. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Like, what? Who came up with that? Oh, but if, it, oh, so, so speaking of, of really, really good food, did uh, in San Jose, when we were all there for Heroes and Villains, did you happen to hear about or go to Psycho Donuts? No, oh. I um, didn't really leave the inside of that hotel. Oh, okay. I was kind of wondering like what you, you know, what you guys do. Do you, do you stay in the hotel the whole time or do you go out or, cause no, I'm sure depends. you probably get I mean, mobbed. I did, I did go out one night. Um, a few of us went out with Julie Caitlin Brown, who's my convention manager. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, we sort of went out for like a celebratory. Yay. We're all here. Let's bond dinner, which was awesome. Um, but you know, the days are I always I, I find myself thinking like one of the many perks of doing these conventions is getting to explore new cool cities. Um, and this last time in, in San Jose, I came home and I decided that the next one I do, I'm going to extend it by a day or two mm -hmm. because I never actually get to explore where I am. Yes. You know, it was a beautiful hotel. The convention center was lovely. It really um, but, you know, the days are so long that by the time we're done, I don't really have much left. So I kind of ended up, I would, you know, make, go say hello to everyone and then sort of get into my pajamas as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, I think, I think like a day or two to kind of like debrief and see where I am and be outside and kind of like take it all in would be nice. That's a good idea. I, you know, I was, I was thinking the same thing too, cause uh, you know, I, I met up with a few people there, of course, part of the staff and then a couple mm -hmm. of listeners and stuff and we try to Yelp, you know, good local restaurants or something and try those out and stuff. But yeah, so the psycho donuts basically makes, well, first oh. of all, they did stuff for like arrow and flash and they had like, you know, the arrow donut and the flash what? donut and everything it was all decorated. But totally there was one that, that had Oreos on it, which is what reminded me uh, of what you were talking about. And then they had one that was like peanut butter, butterfinger, oh. like maple. I mean, it was ridiculous, Get out of town. but it was, you know, what was amazing is you know how like if donuts are, you know, not fresh, they're kind of, crusty or whatever sometimes uh -huh. oh, these were not these were incredible and I don't eat donuts often this is you know it's one of those like treats and I just oh my gosh I gotta get one but oh yeah we try right. to get around so, but uh, I, I will be sure to put my request in for next year's hero and villains in San Jose just for the donut there you go perfect you know I never thought I really was a big donut fan <laughs> they just opened this place near my house called sidecar donuts oh oh my goodness Completely uh, changed my way of thinking about donuts and I am now a convert <laughs> and can no longer say like, oh, I don't eat donuts because they're, they're ridiculous. Uh, that's, and that's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. But boy, they're fun. They are so fun. I know. You got to treat yourself. Well, with that said though, uh, you know, we were, since we we're talking about it, how did you like Heroes and Villains? It was great. It was the first event that I had done with them. Okay. So I really didn't know what to expect. And I have to say I was... 
I feel like pleasantly surprised makes it sound like I expected it to be terrible, which I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really was, I guess, impressed for lack of better word, by the, mm-hmm. just the organization, the positivity from the whole staff, everybody seemed like really happy to be there and grateful to be there. And, you know, those events can be behind the scenes spoiler can be a little bit stressful. There's a lot that goes into it. There are a lot of moving pieces. It's like putting together a giant puzzle. And it really, at least from my side, I really didn't feel any of that. It was very, like I said, positive and fun and organized and well-planned out. It was great. I really don't have anything but, but you know, really wonderful, positive things to say about it. I loved it. That's great. That's yeah. Good. And it was, I feel like, I feel like overall it was, you know, from what I heard, it was sort of a smaller convention for what is normal for heroes and villains. And it was, um, I actually thought that that made it a little, even that much more intimate. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I really got an opportunity to connect with the fans and to talk to people and, um, you know, didn't really feel the pressure of like, hurry up and sign your name. Cause there's like a massive line, which, you know, is yeah. also sometimes a good problem to have. Sure. But yeah, it was really, really wonderful. It felt like very personal. And um, oh, sorry, everyone. That's my dog barking. He thought it was great too. Yeah. I didn't get to see him though. What the heck? Oh yeah. He was in cosplay. So you probably ah, didn't recognize okay, him. Okay. Yeah. No, I definitely wouldn't yeah. have. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great. I had a really good time. And it was nice to see some like returning faces from other conventions that I have done kind of get to continue to build on those relationships and always a treat to reconnect with both the actor, or I guess reconnect with the actors that I knew from working on Arrow and then meet so many other awesome people and from the other shows. That's great. So yeah, how fun. many, how many cons have you done then? I haven't done many. I've done a few for Supernatural. Okay. Mostly overseas. I've done um, a few in England, which have been incredible. And then kind of here and there, I, I, I would say like a few a year, um, but you know, Supernatural is a show that has an incredible, incredible, like beyond words fandom. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been on the show for over five years. And so it, just the fact that I'm still so like warmly welcomed into that family is, I mean, beyond anything I could possibly put into words. So yeah, it's fun, you know, and then Arrow has kind of opened up that world again for me. So it's a fun treat. That's cool. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, um, if you can believe this, I've never watched Supernatural and I probably should because it's kind of oh. up my genre alley. But uh, I don't know. I never, it, I think it came out at a time when I was just not watching a lot of TV and then, yeah, I don't know. But I, it's a lot to catch up on now. It is. And I know some of the fans that love the show and you're right, like they're really into it and huge, huge fans for it. And But it's fun to see the, the crossover. I don't think that was something that I really anticipated when I first worked on Arrow was Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how many fans of Supernatural also lived in this, the, you know, Arrow Flash world. So that was, that was a cool opportunity to kind of like re-enter that world in a different form. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's fun. I I have found that the Arrow fans are usually fairly eclectic. It's not like you find certain fans that are into one thing and that's all they're into. You know, they don't want to hear about anything else, but uh, you know, most, yeah, most Arrow fans I see are, yeah. And then they're critical too, in a good way. You know, they'll say, okay, well this was really good, but then this, you know, I, I mean, not some, I guess some are mean, I'll, I'll be honest, some are mean, <laughs> but you know, some of them have some good things to say and you thought, well, okay, that's a good point. And I remember at one point, Steven was on a stage, a couple cons, a couple fests ago. And, and he just said, you guys are smarter than I am. You know, the show better than I do. Oh yeah. And I For thought, sure. yeah, that's crazy, but it's true. Actually, the very first, before I was invited to do any conventions or fan fests, I think it was the first episode I'd done of Supernatural and I was in the makeup trailer and someone said like, oh, be careful, like you're playing an iconic character, they're going to start inviting you to conventions. Mm. I had no idea that conventions (laughs) were even a thing. Like it was just not anywhere in my mind, radar world. And the the makeup artist started laughing and I guess she had attended one. She like went with some of the actors just to check it out. And she said that one of the fans asked uh, one of the actors, an episode, you know, whatever, we'll make it up. 203, your tattoo was a quarter of a centimeter to the right that, you know, more than it was in episode 217, like something completely. Oh my gosh. And, and they came up with like this elaborate, you know, meaningful reason when she said she wanted to like crawl under a chair because really it was like, well, we didn't use a rule, like a ruler. And it was yeah. probably just like, a human error 
but yeah, the, the attention to detail and the sort of meaning that they find in everything is incredible. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. in awe. It's awesome. Yeah. That, that's incredible though. To, to, oh, it's a quarter of a centimeter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, know. Uh, I, I wow. wish I saw things like that. Yeah. How does, I, how does your mind work? You know, so that's an interesting point. You know, you think about people who, who see things like that and then in many ways it's like, that's cool. And thanks for pointing yeah. that out. And, but you're right. It is kind of interesting just to see that, uh, you know, some of these fans immerse themselves in the yeah, world. And absolutely. Uh, you do, you honestly rock as Cupid. I Thank you. love your character and I think you do an amazing job playing her. It's, it's creepy. <laughs> I mean, really, it's awesome. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, when you, I never know how to react when someone says that you're really creepy. Like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. But you're nothing like her. That's the thing. But that's what I love is like when you, when you see somebody play a character so well, and even to the point where there's a character that you hate so much and then you meet the person and, you know, in person, the actor, and and you're just like, Oh my gosh, not even close. But I love it. You know, to me, that's, it's a, it's an appreciation of, of your talent and your art and the idea that you work at your craft and that is so, so apparent in your character as Cupid. Thank you. So, I mean, I, you know, I feel like that's where the fun happens. Yeah. You know, and for me, like I mentioned before, playing a character like Cupid, who's so different than who I as Amy am and the life that I lead is such a fun treat because it really allows me to kind of like dive deeply into this wildly vivid imaginary world. Yeah. Um, there's there were so many great aspects of playing this role and of um, kind of being welcomed into the Arrow family. Um, you know, I got to learn archery, which what you, so cool. Okay, I was going to ask you that, um, and get to create this like kind of crazy, off the wall, imbalanced but beautiful, full like multi dimensional woman. So you yeah. know, I feel like as an actress, it was a huge gift. That's incredible. So with the archery and some of the other training, I mean, did you actually have to go through? a significant amount of it or did you learn just enough to kind of get it going or are you actually um, a master at it? Could you rival? I am a ma- oh, oh, well <laughs> on screen or off. I don't know. Well, well uh, both. I, I did, you know, I will say that one of the things that I'm so thankful to the production team for one of the many things um, is that they really do give the actors an opportunity to kind of take it as far as we want. You know, oftentimes there just isn't time and you show up on a set and whatever the random skill is, you either know it or you don't. And if you don't, you fake it or they bring in your stunt double or, you know, and I'm somebody who likes new challenges. And so anytime there is a skill to learn or a stunt to perform or something kind of outside of my everyday box, I like jump at the opportunity and a lot of sets don't allow it for safety reasons, but arrow, you know, while they have an incredible stunt team and I, you know, I could not speak more highly of them, they really do encourage the actors to tackle as much as they can and want to. I had a few sessions with um, the archery expert on the show. Who's awesome more to like get comfortable, you know, holding a bow and sort of understand a little bit of the, the craft. I mean, it, it's an incredible sport. And one that I knew very little about and, you know, had like researched it a bit for the role, but it wasn't until I like had it in my hands and was kind of living it. Did I really understand what a difficult sport it is Oh yeah, and how incredibly powerful it is. And, you know, the, the historical roots go back so far. So kind of in some way felt like part of that legacy, like a tiny little piece of it. Little uh, nerdy facts about <laughs> archery because I think it's cool. She shoots with an Asiatic composite bow, which um, is unlike any of the other bows they use on the show. And it's a Turkish draw. So most most of the archers, and actually all of the other archers on the show use a, like a three-finger draw. But Cupid's is a thumb draw, which is so hard. Um, Interesting. I'm trying to figure really, out how you would do that. So you kind of like, I'm, I'm doing it here in my living room, <laughs> but you can't see me. You know, you, you sort of wrap your thumb around the string and pull back that way. So all of the weight is like on your knuckle, I guess. Okay. But it's a very ancient form of archery that, um, like I said, was mostly originated and is used in Turkey. And Cupid is the first ever, I am told, character on television or in film to use that draw. Oh, that's cool. Um, So that was cool to sort of learn this um, kind of lost art form, kind of pay homage and, I don't know, honor them. But yeah, so having the opportunity to like learn about the history, to work with these experts, to, you know, be, you know, far from an expert, but be comfortable on set, like really going for it was 
such a cool treat. Um, and then I continued a little bit. I've, I've gone, there's like a really great archery range here in LA. And then when I went back, you know, for the subsequent episode, there was always like some brush up lessons. There's always someone on set to sort of like be there to coach me through it. I still have a lot to learn, um, <laughs> sure. but it was really a cool experience to get to explore that a little bit. And it's something that I, I plan to continue to do because I, you know, I guess by some lucky stroke, ended up really enjoying it. So that's cool. Actually, I now have my own bows and will hopefully continue to learn. Nice. So yeah. do you have that composite bow you were mentioning? Uh, you know, I do. You I do. actually, I have not Cupid's actual bow, but the same, the same kind of bow. Nice. And so you're still doing the Turkish draw, basically. You're still trying you know, that. Funny. I, I just recently, um, Tried to do the, like the, the no, no, it's not normal, but you know, the three finger draw. Uh-huh. And it was so we, like, so back, it's easier, but it was so like backwards for me. Nice. Cause that's not how I learned it. So yeah. it's like, a, I have to like switch over. You could put that on your resume. I mean, it's not just that you were acting it, like you actually have, you know, the form. It's pretty cool. It's an ancient Turkish form. That's so cool. It's very cool. So yeah, that's a, a fun little bonus of the job. Yeah. Well, you know, you always kind of wonder about that kind of stuff. What do you learn in some of the forms and different, like you said, the different perks and that kind of thing. I, I did archery when I was a kid. I don't know. I kind of stopped doing it. You know, you just do so many things as a kid. Then you kind of yeah. do other things. And after watching Arrow, I thought, you know, I, I actually really enjoyed archery. You should do it. And it would be fun to get back into just for fun. And I think people don't realize also, I mean, it's it's like a pretty physical sport. Like I was sore yeah. in places that I did not know I had muscles. Oh, yeah. But like, okay, I've never used that part of my back before. Um, and a lot of the learning is kind of trial and error. Yeah. You know, I definitely had some little beginner wounds, um, <laughs> but that's how you get better. Yeah. But yeah, really, really great. And they're, you know, on that show too, they're on Arrow, they're, they're so open to that and sort of kind of help, help you go as far as you want with the um, stunts and weapons and all of that. So you definitely, it's nice to feel so supported in that way. That's cool. And I think, I think it is really neat how you see a lot of different forms of fighting. Um, yeah. I've always been a huge fan of Kendo because I, I don't know. I think it was when I started watching like, I was at Highlander or some of those movies, uh-huh. you know, or shows, I guess, back in the, back in the day, you know, back in the day, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though. You know, you're just like, Oh, that's yes. so cool. And I want to actually learn how to fight like a samurai, you know? And well, um, I think that's one of the cool things that comes about shows and movies like that is like, we, we can kind of like resurrect some of these old yeah. ways. Yeah. It is neat. I mean, they've done that with Nana Parbat and they've done that with Tatsu, of course, and yep. just some other things where there's these quote ancient ways. And I, but that's cool to know. I didn't know that about Cupid and I'm not sure any of us would have known that if you hadn't shared that. Yeah. Like ancient and, Turkish you know, and in the like in terms of the comic books, Cupid is not or wasn't kind of innately like a, a master archer. She was... You know, she kind of learned the art of archery for Arrow. So I kind of got to go on that, more or less that exact journey to be like, okay, here we go. Like, got to learn this now. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a cool experience. And one that I hope to continue, like I said. You know, I, I started watching Arrow as a fan back in, uh, I mean, well, when the pilot first came out. And I was the, the, I think we DVR'd it, you know, and was like, oh, this is an amazing show. And I've always found myself immersing into, like, I don't immerse in like, um, you know, like some of the fans do. I don't even really uh-huh. know what that's called, but you know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> sure you know, you I, know. <laughs> you're like, yeah, no, I'm not wearing green leather right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I do immerse into the, the idea that this is a really cool show. And we, as, as hosts of Aero Squad, you do find yourself watching it in a way that you wouldn't if, you know, like I watch other shows and I just enjoy it. And right. then when I watch Arrow, I'm watching it with a very critical eye and I'm pointing out stuff and I'm writing notes down. And then we start talking about it on the show and <laughs> we'll crack ourselves up. And then all of a sudden we just kind of laugh at each other. And, and, you know, my co-host and I'll just be like, we're nerds. Oh my gosh. We know, you know, hey, at least you can embrace it. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for the transition. Embrace your inner nerd. <laughs> That's wonderful. That was not planned. I promise. Well, it was good though. So um, how have you embraced your inner nerd? I mean, what do you nerd out, geek out about? Oh man, so many things. What do I nerd out about? Well, I mean, like I said, meeting so many of the fans of, you know, these sort of sci-fi comic book genre shows, Mm -hmm. I I wish I was that 
you know, into a TV show and um, that excited and sort of driven by it. Um, I would say as a child, I had an incredibly, maybe to a fault, wild imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had, you know, a whole community of imaginary friends and, you know, my dolls and Barbies had like very elaborate lives. And Interesting. Um, at a young age, I became like, like confession time, um, <laughs> like a doll collector. Uh-huh. Um, but they always were like real to me. And I had story. And it's funny because now as an adult, like I think back on some of the things that I created mm-hmm. or the people that I created this, I sound crazy right now. Um, no, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> and it feels like, like real, like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wonder, I wonder how Jumper's doing, whatever. And I remember when I was like 12, I asked my mom, like if something was wrong with me that I still had like all of these imaginary friends, you know, cut to now I'm an actress. So I teased that like now my job is professional make-believe and I constantly get to create characters and backstories and talk to people who don't actually exist. So I guess as a child, I was a little bit of a nerd about, you know, anything make-believe. And I had a pretty impressive Barbie collection which I still get excited about when I see cool Barbies. Um, And then that sort of like manifested, I think, as I got older and sort of found the theater world into kind of a, you know, perhaps on the verge of nerdy obsession with Shakespeare. I like became obsessed and was determined to do like every Shakespeare play there was, which I'm still working on. (laughs) I I haven't quite made it there yet. You know, and kind of, and it's funny because now, like I said, I work with kids and I see these sort of like little budding passions that start as, you know, what could be considered like nerdy or embarrassing or like just an obsession that actually like there may be something bigger in that, like a calling in there somewhere. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd for make-believe. I, you know, I think that's amazing, actually. And I'm, it's kind of funny that you, you're talking about this because, you know, in, in creating The Real Brian Show, that's kind of been, well, okay, confession time for me too. You know, like I, <laughs> I, I did that too. I was a kind of make-believe person. You know, you create imaginary worlds and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff where you always wish you could be that person. Um, yeah. I, I mean, my, my inner nerd was growing up with Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the next generation and everything. And so I was like, man, I wish I was in the future. It would be so yeah. cool. And, 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 you know, so I would kind of do all that stuff. But it was funny because creating the Real Brian show, you know, everyone's like, well, you need to teach something because that's, you know, that's what uh, that's what sells. That's what makes money. That's what success and everything. And I'm like, you know, I'm too imaginative for that. I've got the uh-huh. the storytelling side of things. I'm more of the entertainer. You know, how do you figure that? How do you do that? But it's funny that you're bringing this up because you're saying like you're uh, you're you know out about make believe and and now you're actually helping others through that and you get a chance to actually be a part of that. But you said something about you know there's more of a, a greater purpose or something. Like, are you talking about with yourself or with the kids you're working with or what? Um, I think both. I think well, I guess to sort of fill in. So I, I work with all kinds of kids. Um, I have always sort of had a passion for. I don't know, connecting with youth and helping them find sort of what drives them, who they are, what makes them feel like the best versions of themselves. Because, you know, as as a child, I was really fortunate to have a family who really supported me and my passions and um, kind of in whatever I did. And I was surrounded by a community of people who also like helped me to be like the healthiest, most creative version of myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, for me that I had theater and dance as kind of my like creative and personal outlet. And so I've sort of always felt like because I had that and I now recognize what a gift that was and those people were and are in my life, you know, a lot of the the reality is that a lot of people don't have, you know, their sort of like surrogate big sister, big brother, parent, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when I was in college, I started a um, program for at-risk youth where I sort of took the training that I was getting as a theater major and tried to figure out like, okay, what is the healing component here? How can I use what I am doing to give back in some way? Because I think as an actor too, it can often feel a little bit, I don't know, like self-centered and egotistical and superficial, if you will. But I think kind of from a very young age, what sort of has driven me to do this is the, 
you know, opportunity and I kind of think responsibility to like give back and teach and heal and, and inspire through the arts. Like if I, yeah. you know, and it could be anything as little as like I play a role on whatever show or whatever movie or theater production. Um, and if one person in that theater or in their living room or, you know, wherever they are, um, has a shift in how they think about something or is inspired in some way or, um, you know, really has any kind of like emotional reaction Then I think like, you know, even in the tiniest, most minute way I've, I've succeeded at my job that I've like created some sort of movement in them. Hmm. Um, so, you know, in working with kids, it sort of has been like, how can I instill that, or I guess just instill something in them, give them something to like feel confident about and good about themselves and an outlet. I think a lot of people don't really have an outlet and are kind of like prisoners inside themselves, which growing up is terrible. Yeah. So, you know, now, now I work with, I work in a dance studio and our, we have a nonprofit called dance for a difference. And so our whole thing is how do we take children, you know, the majority of which are pretty well off, pretty affluent from like, you know, good, solid families and teach them like what the other side of the world looks like and how they can use their art in this case, dance to give back to the community. Mm. So, you know, I, I am always excited and inspired by like the one kid who has some weird passion or excitement about something or is a nerd about something that like, I think that there is often that's like a little flame to something bigger. Like, you know, for me with the, my imaginary friends, like, that translated into it as adult, like that's kind of my career. Yeah. Um, you know, when we have a child who is like really in, you know, for to something like archery, like, okay, how can, how can I help them get in touch with what that is and foster that love? And what could that look like later in life? If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Gosh, that's um, incredible. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I have a good time. And you know, I feel like I, I you know, I say it's, you know, it's called, people consider it like outreach or charity or whatever, but I feel like I get, I mean, it sometimes feels selfish. Like I feel like I learn so much from them every day. Nice. Um, but I'm not really sure like who's, who's the one being benefited here. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we, I like, for instance, like I have a group of teens that I work with and, you know, that's an age that is like so often kind of ignored and put down just because they need someone to listen and someone to understand. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I kind of feel like most actors have, you know, random side jobs here and there to help us pay for life. (laughs) Um, and you know, if mine can be with kids and not, you know, and it's not completely in a different direction, it's still sort of like creating or feeding my creative side, um, and kind of keeping me fulfilled personally, the professional stuff kind of ha- just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. I feel like the more I invest in sort of those like passion projects, the more fulfillment and joy I get from like my, the professional world as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. No, I think that's uh, I, I think it's incredible because, you know, I, you know, you brought up the whole, it seems selfish sometimes, you know, when you're working as a, I wouldn't even say it's just as an actor, but just in a profession where a lot of attention's on you, you know, and I think mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to fall into that, of course. But, um, I love, I love the fact that, you know, you're, you're taking the inner nerd that you had, you're taking <laughs> the passion that you had, you know, and you're, you're utilizing it in a way that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, well, I, and, you know, I, I hate to use the word maturely because that's not, I don't know. I, I don't always agree that, you know, we should... <laughs> mature in, into the way that some people get, you know, people no, get stuffy, right? You know what I mean? Never. Yeah. But I think there's something to be said about saying, okay, well the imaginary world, uh, what can we do to impact people with that? For example, right. And right. I mean, how helping. many times have, have you know, I, I know personally I have been greatly impacted by a film that I've watched or, oh yeah, uh, you know, and I, you know, part of my thing as a child was I like wanted, I was going to be a different profession every day. I was like, yeah. you know, I saw Patch Adams and I was going to be a doctor nice. and was like, re- like writing him letters to figure out like how I could go intern with him. And I was going to be an astronaut and a princess and a mother and a teacher and a social <laughs> worker and everything you could possibly think of. And most of those decisions, even if they lasted 24 hours, were based on a person that I met or a movie that I saw or a performance that I 
you know, went to. And then I think somewhere in my like, you know, late childhood, early teens, I realized like, well, I can be all of those things in some imaginary world if I'm an actress. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So that's so I'm cool. Just, I'm like checking off the list. <laughs> well, no, that's neat because you were, you were able to bring all of that together and say, here's the commonality. Yeah. And I didn't have to take so much math. So it was awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm with you on that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> math was never my friend. Yeah, me neither. Oh, no. Well, that's, I think that's so cool because for you to even realize that, especially at that age, you know, to be able to say, okay, I love all these things. Well, I should do it this way then. Right. You know, that's, that's pretty incredible. Most people have a hard time ever finding that point, you know. Well, and not to say like, obviously I know if I play a doctor, I'm not actually a doctor. Like, well, I sure. I'm in touch with reality here, but you know, I, I am somebody who loves like the research. So if I play a doctor, for instance, like I, I want to honor that profession and those people who have dedicated their lives to this, you know, to the best of my sure. ability in whatever tiny way I'm able to do that. But, you know, like in your sense, you get all the good without all the bad, right? Yeah. You don't actually have to see the horrific things or, you know, you don't have to lose a patient. You don't have to go through, you know, 20 years of schooling. Oh, man. No, but I certainly admire and respect the individuals who do. Totally. No, that's and that's the cool part is that you get a glimpse into what they do and then you have an opportunity to honor and respect, like you said, what they do. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. So, I mean, you've obviously been unleashing your superhero like crazy. I don't know if I would call it superhero, but I, I would say so. Well, we each have a superhero in us and that's kind of how I, and I look at that as like, it's our, it's our mission and our purpose or, you know, whatever you want to call it in life, basically, and how we're able to, to impact others. But you're already doing that because you're working with kids, you're working with others. Like you even said, you know, when you act a part on a show or on a movie or whatever, you're, you're ideally you want somebody that's viewing it to take something away. Mm-hmm. and be impacted somehow. So, I mean, you're doing that and it's incredible. Well, thank you. That's, that's very nice to hear. Thank well, you. Well, I, no, I, and, and you're really good at it too. And, and like I said, I, uh, I never did get a chance to see you in Supernatural because I haven't watched it yet, but now I will. But I, I will tell you that, you know, you acting Cupid was phenomenal. And thank you. It was pretty funny when I met you and Heroes and Villains, I went, there's no way you're a Cupid. <laughs> I don't think you were alone in that. I got a lot of weird looks that weekend. Yeah. I'm going, well, you, you, well, I mean, you look a little different in real life, of course, but more than anything. Yeah. I was just like, you are way too nice for this. What the heck, you know? So I'll get into this one just a little bit though, is, um, uh, you know, how do you get into your parts? How do you get into, I mean, with, with Cupid, especially, we we can talk about that one more uh, specifically later, but, um, how do you get into your parts? Like, what do you, what do you do to act? Is there, is there kind of a thought process? Do you get into this stuff? Did you do training? You know? Yeah, I guess there, there's a, a few different angles I could take on that. And, you know, I will start by saying that Cupid in particular was an interesting one because, you know, when you first see the character and, you know, for me, read the sides, granted, I didn't know, I think I, we talked about this at the um, Heroes and Villains. I didn't know who I was even auditioning for. Um, the character's name was Redhead. I was given a made-up piece of material that was similar to what the actual script was, but they're very, very secretive and protective about every little thing, and rightfully so. Um, so I didn't know anything about my character until I was cast, basically. Um, but still, you know, on paper, here's this, like, crazy, for lack of a better word, you know, kind of mentally unstable, lovesick woman Yeah, that's really easy to hate. And kind of as an actor, I feel like my job is to find what it is that I love about each character and um, how I can personally connect to them. Because otherwise, like, if you just play a villain, the audience doesn't care. And then, you know, then I look at shows like, <laughs> talking about nerds, I was a huge nerd for the show Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> nice. And I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with Breaking Bad, but for oh, yeah. instance, like, the lead character, Walter White, could so, like, you should hate him. And yet without giving any spoilers, the very last episode, despite all of these horrible things he's done, I'm like crying, rooting for him to win. (laughs) And I feel like as an actor, like, you know, Brian Kranz did a brilliant job creating a lovable villain in that way. You know, and then to kind of go back to your original question, I feel like I'm in some strange way, perhaps, um, drawn to characters that are least like me. I just feel like it's more fun because mm-hmm. I'm me every day. And not that I don't, you know, I love my life, but it, it's fun to kind of like branch out and play 
different, to explore other worlds and other lives and fill other shoes. But, you know, I think maybe coming from like the wild imagination that we talked about, I love building a backstory. You know, I kind of, when I get a, a role, I first read the script and kind of look at, okay, what information is given to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then where are the holes and how can I fill in the holes? Like, who is this person? Where did she come from? And I get really lost in that part of the like research and creation. Um, I do a lot of journaling kind of as my characters. <laughs> Again, I probably sound crazy. No, this um, is cool. I'm I'm really impressed. I'm, I'm thanks. Not, yeah, seriously, this is intriguing. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I feel like I want to know as much about this person that I'm playing. If it's, you know, for five minutes or three hours or 10 years, like, I feel like I owe it to the writers and to the creators of the shows to like breathe as much life as I possibly can into whatever, you know, whoever the individual is. And then sort of my challenge is taking all of that homework, if you will, and like throwing it away and showing up on set, knowing all of that, but then being open to anything that may be thrown at me, whether it be like, you know, changes to the script that affect my character or the director has a completely different vision of who this person is than I did. And that sort of is where the fun kind of really begins is like there's incredible collaboration. There's so many people that go into every second of film. And I, you know, I want to hear like what the writer thought and why this character is the way that she is. And I love the collaborate, like the collaborative aspect. Mm -hmm. And so kind of my goal is to do as much prep work as I possibly can to show up ready for whatever it is that they throw at me. Yeah. And that's neat too, because you're taking your job seriously, you know, and you want to be able to, you know, give them your best. No, I think that's very, very interesting to hear and, and, you know, just to listen to about how you, you know, you, you, well, you said the journaling thing, you know, I I think that's actually really cool because I was, I've always wondered, like, how do you get into character so much and how do you, you know, understand that? And had some, you know, interactions with writers, interviewed a couple of authors as well. And you start to find that I've heard this now multiple times that they know their characters and their books intimately like they're their own friends yeah and i thought i've never thought of it like that like that's incredible and so in a way you're kind of doing the same thing with your character that you're playing is you're trying to get to know that character intimately yeah absolutely that's so cool and you know most of that work is never seen or even shared but i feel like sure you know as and i'm admittedly a very critical audience member and that can be at times horrible to watch movies and tv with because i notice (laughs) way too many little acting things Um, But I suppose it's like having dinner with a chef. Oh, yeah. Um, Yep. But I, you know, I think that you can tell there's a different, the performance is different when someone has like memorized lines versus someone who has like really gone as deep as they possibly can with whatever they're given. Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, I did, I have studied it for years and I'm, you know, majored in, in acting in college and, um, you know, I'm always in class. I'm somebody that believes that the learning never ends. I think the second you think you know it all, you might as well like move on and do something else. Yeah. 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 Like career suicide. So I am always striving to like get better at my craft. And I don't think that that's something that I will ever feel like I've completely finished or accomplished, nor do I really want to, because then what's the point? Um, Yeah. You know, having said that, I think that there are, you know, I've studied with a lot of incredible teachers and many of which have given me things that I use every day in preparing for auditions or for a role. And a lot of it is sort of like life experience and getting on a set. And, you know, my first time on set, the thing that stuck out the most to me was how much I didn't know I didn't know. Hmm. It was like a a whole new world and language. And um, again, going back to like the collaboration, like the, I'm, I'm just always in such amazement of watching like the crew work. Those people work their absolute, their butts off and it's pretty thankless. You know, at the end of the day, the public sees like the person on the red carpet. Yeah. Um, So that it's cool to be part of that collaboration and sort of like one piece of this giant puzzle. So, you know, I kind of feel like with every class and or experience, like you take what works and, um, kind of like put it in your little imaginary toolbox and you leave what doesn't and then kind of create like your own method. Like I get asked a lot, like, you know, what method of acting do you do? And I don't really think that I subscribe to one method or one way or one teacher. I feel like, you know, it's kind of up to the individual to 
compile their own method, if you will, based mm-hmm. on what they've learned. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. No, it's um, it's interesting. Um, you know, not I mean, I'm not an actor, obviously, but um, being a broadcaster, being a musician, uh, you know, you, you kind of get a lot of the same, same kind of teaching, same kind of stuff, just in, in, a, in a different way, of course. But um, you know, even as a musician, you know, you play the piano, and it's like, do you make the piano sing, or do you just play it technically well? Exactly. And it's yeah, it's very very interesting because I think that um, well, I mean, this goes back to even you were talking about evoking emotion basically from, from people, you know, you get kind of frustrated, like, or, or, or like with uh, Brian Cranston, what he did, you know, on, mm-hmm. on Breaking Bad and everything. But I think that's the thing is whether or not you're evoking an angry emotion or a happy emotion or a sad or whatever, that's a good thing. As long right. as you're not evoking apathy. Yeah, I, I think, absolutely agree. Yeah. And yeah. You, I remember one of the first plays I did, um, we had, you know, it's kind of a controversial subject and, but a story that we all felt like was really important to be told. And I remember opening night, a few people walked out and we like celebrated backstage because, you know, that could be taken as like offensively and may, you know, who knows? We don't know why they walked out, but it was at a, a point of the play that really forced you to kind of like look in the mirror and see that the world isn't all beautiful and butterflies and rainbows. And some people aren't willing or ready to see that. And so I, we, I kind of felt like just the fact that we allowed or helped someone to be that affected that they walked out was just, you know, as much of a success as Mm. getting a standing ovation. Yeah. That's a real, I've never thought of it like that. That's a really good point. You know, I mean, of course it could be interpreted a million different ways, but you know, there was something that was like a fire that was lit to that degree that you had to like get up and leave. It was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, no, you know, that's a really good point because I think that, um, I've never personally walked out of something like that, but I, I do know, and I've had friends that have, and it's not because they were bored. They walked out because they were upset about something. Mm-hmm. So that's a very good point. And often things that, you know, upset you the most are things that you need to look at to be like, okay, why was I so affected by that? Yeah. Granted, I don't think that you should like just offend people for the sake of offending them. That no. I, I'm not, not condoning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, make people think sort of, you know, we spend so much time in our little bubbles, even if it like is a conversation that is caused by something that they saw. Like, well, that's a, a conversation you haven't had before. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the why people are the way they are. Yeah. And why do they do what they do sort of thing. And that's yeah, just in, in life, not even just TV. Me too. It's uh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much in common. We're I, like- it's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, like you said, not offending somebody, but I, I love respecting someone else. Like my goal, yeah. and I may not be perfect at it, and you know, I have my moments, but it's like my goal is to do my best to respect the next person. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be politically correct, for example, right. um, not to go into politics, but I'm just saying in general, <laughs> as far as like, you know, some people go off on a certain agendas. But, you know, sometimes things are are meant to be talked about, like you said, just mm-hmm. because it's important for people to understand, okay, why is this bothering us or what is going on? Right. But I think it really comes down to if we can respect each other, a lot of those problems will go away. Oh, know? I I could not agree more. And I think we're, again, not to go into politics, <laughs> but we're living in a time that I think that's more important now than ever. Yeah. Like, just listen. Listen to each other. Talk to each other. Yeah. Respect each other. Yeah, I totally agree. Communication's huge and, and that doesn't happen very often. No, and I think that we're like, <laughs> so I, I saw some, some somebody posted something the other day about how like we're losing the art of communication and that oh, was so gosh. heartbreaking to me. Why do you think we are? I'm curious. I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with social media and our dependence on screens. You know, again, like working with like kids and particularly teenagers, like you... I am constantly having to remind them to put down their phone and make eye contact. Mm-hmm. I think that it oh, sort yeah. of is like ingrained younger and younger that it's okay to kind of live in that little bubble. Yeah. And so there's just a different awareness. I don't know. I, I, I wish I knew the answer because it is so sad and it's such a huge problem, I think, in society. And I'm guilty of it. I mean, I'm totally dependent on technology Yeah. Um, and definitely am guilty of like sending a text when I should have like picked up the phone and called someone or, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, writing the email that I should have just like shown up at their workplace, like whatever it is. I mean, that's the thing that I think has changed the most in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of like communication. Yeah. I don't know though. It's sad. I feel like at a certain point it has to change. Yeah. We have to reconnect as like humanity. You know, you're right about it. It's, it's interesting. I've, I've tried something. Um, and it, <laughs> so one is uh, when I'm biking, I try to look up and smile at the person that I pass on the bike path. Oh, I love that. And it used to be, and I'm, t- we're talking, okay, let's just say two years ago to be safe. So yeah. not like, you know, back in the day sort of thing. We're talking two <laughs> years ago, people, I, I would say probably 80, 80 or more percent of them would look at me and smile back. Mm. And then this year, as I've been biking, um, it's probably less than 10%. And I'm like, what? Wow. what just happened? And that's a two year change. And then, you know, I do this when I go, I love working at coffee shops. Uh huh. So it's, it's just my getaway. And, and I'm obviously a huge caffeinator. So I just, well, actually I only really drink one or two cups a day. So it's, it's funny. Everybody thinks I drink like 20, but I'm right there with you. I (laughs) I admit that uh, it's an addiction problem and it's fine, but admitting is the first step. That's right. But I will not give up my coffee. Anyways, continue. Sorry. (laughs) No, no. Coffee is a, is a good thing. It's healthy and it's good for you. It's healthy. I know. Chocolate and coffee. We're healthy. I love it. (laughs) It's so true. I roast (laughs) my own beans too. So, you know, I, wow, it's fun. It's a little little side hobby. Yeah. I nerd out about my coffee too. Anyway, I, (laughs) but yeah, so I, I love going to coffee shops and I, I, I do the same kind of thing. I'll smile at people or I'll sit next to somebody, but I like being around people. I'm a total extrovert. Even if I'm not talking to any of them, just being around them, you know? Yeah. And I am amazed how freaked, I don't know if it's freaked out or uncomfortable or whatever it is, people are now getting, if you look at them or smile at them. Yeah. Like they're thinking- They immediately, yeah, absolutely. They immediately assume something. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just smiling. Like I'm not trying to do anything here, people. Yeah. But that's rare and that's so heartbreaking. I know. I know. And it wasn't that way that long ago. And I think that's what's interesting. And I, I, I totally agree with your communication thing. And I, I, I know there's a solution. And I know part of it is what I'm trying to do here with this show, too, is just to mm-hmm. encourage us to get out there and make a difference with other people and not yeah. assume the worst about everybody. I mean, and then to be like, OK, we all have our problems. We've all made our mistakes. What, of course. We're human. Yeah, totally. Right. Let's let's move on and help each other out. And Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I don't think it matters if you reach one person or a million people, but you are, I mean, you are doing your part in making that change and hopefully inspiring other people to do the same thing. Well, and that's, that's what I love about your story too, is I feel like you've really done that. You are doing that. Do you have any kind of, I mean, if you could have your way, you know, kind of everything just aligns for you sort of thing. Like, do you have something that you wish you could do right now? Yeah. I mean, so many things. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. You know, I think kind of long term, like one of mine, this is, you know, like maybe cheesy childhood dreams, but, you know, people always ask about like, oh, you're an actress. Like, do you want to be famous? What is, you know, that, hmm. you know, there's, there are so many negative connotations with um, kind of like having a job that is so in the spotlight and can be pretty toxic for lack of, you know, a better word. Yeah. But I also feel like, having a job that is in the spotlight also gives you a voice and an audience to like, I don't know, you reach that many more people. And so I, you know, growing up, I always had this like fantasy of like, you know, opening some sort of like rehab center for at-risk youth or, um, you know, kind of trying using that fame or money or influence or whatever it is, whatever it looks like kind of as a way to reach more people on a like broader scale. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, in terms of like career dreams, you know, if, if fame is in the cards for me, you know, the reason isn't necessarily so that I can like, you know, wear fancy dresses and walk a red carpet while I'm, you know, that look, there are definitely like fun perks to that. Sure. Um, but, you know, to really be able to like influence the world, I guess my Miss America answer, the like change the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that there's also, you know, even having said that there is definitely a choice that actors have. Like, yes, there, I, you know, I can only imagine and I've only experienced, you know, probably a, a thousandth um, degree of kind of what that looks like and feels like, but you know, there are problems at every level and it's never perfect. Um but, you know, you see celebrities who are on the cover of every magazine for getting too drunk or, you yeah. know, their 10th divorce or whatever it is. You know, I think that that is also a choice, yeah. how the world 
how, how you present yourself to the world and the kind of impact that you make. And, and I remember growing up, it would make me so angry when I would see these like young, talented people just like publicly throwing their lives away when they could use that same fame and that same power to do so much good. Yeah. And so that was always also kind of something like, again, as a teenager that I really looked at to be like, what, what's wrong here? Like, why is this happening? This person has such incredible opportunity to help people. And yet they're like, you know, going out and having pictures taken of, you know, I don't know, some ridiculous thing. And, you know, granted, no, no judgment. Like I can only imagine what it's like at 14 years old to have that kind of life. Oh yeah. Um, But, you know, with that, I think that there's also to a degree, you know, you never hear about the Meryl Streep's or that, you know, any of the truly like great artists, um, you never hear about them in the tabloids unless they're doing something cool. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting too, because I think that, uh, you know, I was in news media and I, I was trained as a, as a reporter and as a journalist sort of thing. And I did PR for a while and I got out of it because I hated the fact that, you know, they wanted us to basically focus on, you know, 10 or 20% truth and 80% yeah. make it up and create a scandal to sell papers or sell yeah. whatever. And I didn't like that. And I thought, and nowadays I feel like people are, are wanting more realism. They want people to be real and yeah. transparent. I mean, to an extent, of course, obviously there's something. No, but there just, is a shift, I think. Yeah. Which I, you know, I think is great in a lot of ways. You know, I had a similar experience when I first sort of started pursuing acting professionally. I had a friend who was working in PR and sat me down and was like, you know, if you really want to be successful, like you're going to have to, you know, we need to set up like a fake relationship and contracts and, you know, get you at these events and seen with these people. And I was so traumatized. I was like, that is so not what I want. That is not why I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, And I remember I called my manager at the time to be like, do I really have to do all of these things? And, you know, luckily she was like, that it could not be farther from like the plan. And yet Mm. that is a choice and it does work for some people. And some people have incredibly long, successful careers like that. That's just not necessarily what I'm interested in. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, you know, I think it's, it's all about life choices and kind of how, what, what the impact you want to make on the world is. Yeah, I agree. And I think the world's crying out for more people like you though, who are, are trying to do it real and not trying to put up the fake front and everything else. Right. And, yeah. I appreciate that too. And I know, I know many people do because it's, it's, it's getting old. I mean, honestly, like even as a, I mean, I don't know, as a common commoner, <laughs> I'm a commenter, right? <laughs> um, you know, as one of those people, I like, I look at, cause I, I did ask this question and I, I, uh, I don't know. I asked one of the panels this question, but the idea that we have a tendency to look up to people that are famous. And I kind of wanted to know what it was like from like your perspective. And, and I think you've, you've shared it actually, which has been great, but it is interesting because the first time that, you know, I, I started meeting famous people years ago. I mean, this was, yeah, this was other, another sector basically of, of <laughs> fame and all that. But then even meeting all of you guys at heroes and villains and stuff like that. Um, when I first started doing it, there was this, of course, fanboyism and, <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's, it's, natural. I, I, I get it. I, I have that too. Totally. And, and I, uh, it, it is funny, but when somebody does it to you, I actually had listeners come and fanboy fangirl to me. And I went, this is awkward. Yeah. And then I went, oh my gosh, I'm being totally awkward to all the people that I'm meeting too, you know? And, <laughs> and, and I kind of realized it. But um, I think the the thing that I, I learned from all of that is we have a tendency to put famous people up on a pedestal. Absolutely. And so, you know, if that person does something great or something terrible or something fake or whatever, you tend to kind of just go, well, what's going on? And, you know, what am I? Yeah, it, it's it can be confusing. Mm-hmm. And so I really do appreciate when the fact that there is a, a realism to somebody, like you said, when you have that position of, of fame or whatever that is, you know, that you are using it for helping others and and doing something that can impact people. I love that. Right. Yeah. Well, me too. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting too having, you know, I feel like in some ways the conventions and the fan fest are like a super tiny taste of what that, you know, super fame looks like. Sure. And I feel so grateful for that opportunity to like, you know, practice, if you will, and also like really see what an impact we as actors can have on people and what an impact the fans have on me. I mean, I've had so many interactions with people that 
you know, at conventions that I will never forget. And as an actress, I feel like it it solidifies for me the kind of work that I want to be doing and the kind of people that I want to be working with and surrounding myself with. And I think a lot of it does come down to that as like, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who is your sort of like yes. created family? Yep. Um, because I think it's you. totally, and I think it's so easy to get um, wrapped up in the sort of glitz and glamour and the reality is it's not, it's not such a glamorous profession. You know, most days it's, I, I can't imagine doing anything else and I could not possibly be more grateful to be doing what I love. But you know, it, it's a roller coaster and oh, yeah. most days it's really hard and kind of sucks in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I'm constantly questioning like, is this what I meant to be doing? Could, is there something else that could make me happy? And I'm, I'm solid in that the answer is yes, this is what I meant to be doing. And no, I wouldn't be as happy doing something else. However, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have a strong support system around me to kind of like keep me grounded and remind me why I'm doing this in the first place and what it's really about. Because I think otherwise it is really easy in any profession that it, you know, is in the spotlight. Um, it's very vulnerable. And I think it's really easy to get lost in sort of the like fame and fortune of it all. For sure. No, and I appreciate you saying that too, because I think it's important that people understand, you know, that not every profession is perfect, you know? Right. I don't think any profession is perfect. No, no, none are. Every, no. every single, pro- at least I've been in a lot of different professions too. And I understand that, you know, even though like, like you said, and I love this too, you love it. You're thankful to be in it and you enjoy it, but nothing is easy. Well, nothing good is easy, right? Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be tough. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it works out, you you're that much more grateful for it because you know the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yep. So true. So what would you say then to someone, uh, you know, if they're wanting to unleash their superhero or well, okay. Embrace their inner nerd and un- unleash your superhero. Like mm-hmm. any advice you have for that? I just go for it. Yeah. You know, I think that we, we live in a society that really likes to dictate who we should be and, how we should be and where we should be and what we should be. And I think that at the end of the day, like all you really have is yourself and who do you want that person to be? How, how can you take steps to make yourself the best version? Really trying to shut out the other voices and judgments and just own it. You know, I think that everybody has, like you said, an inner superhero. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think most people know what that is and who that is, whether or not they are ready or willing to like admit it. But I think if everybody would just like go for it, I don't know. I think, I think the world would be a happier place. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, is, is way easier said than done. Of Of course. course. Um, But yeah. Well, like you said, you are totally. And like you said too, that when you do own who you are and when you go for it, there's going to be those days, quite a few actually, where you're doubting, what am I doing? Of course. Why am I doing this? And is this the <laughs> I mean, right thing? I hope so. Yeah. Otherwise I'm alone. No, no. I, I Well, I, and I think that too, <laughs> acknowledging that you're not alone, that there's always somebody else going through just yeah. what you're going through and, and you will get through it. Yeah. You know, I think there's like also like the ripple effect that when one thing in your life isn't going the way that you planned, all of a sudden everything is terrible. Yeah. Rather than like taking a step back and looking at like, well, what's working and which part is not working and how do I heal that part? For sure. Yeah. And is it just opposition because you're on the right track too? Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, share uh, anything you'd like us to check out, um, how we can follow you, connect with you, whatever it is. Oh, awesome. Well, next Tuesday evening, I will be guest starring on NCIS, awesome. um, which is very fun. September 27th. Um, and yeah, definitely. I would I would love followers. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram are both my full name, at Amy Gumenick, which is a tricky one. A-M-Y-G-U-M-E-N-I-C-K. Also have a Facebook page, same name. Um, and I, I try to keep those updated pretty regularly. Um, and I'm always open to interaction and questions or comments. Yeah, I'm grateful for anything you guys have to share. I love it. And of course, we'll have all of these in the show notes too. So you can easily oh, awesome. link to it. Yay. No problem at all. But Amy, thank you so much. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. And thanks for doing what you're doing. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thank you for, <laughs> thank, 
Thank you for having the same vision I have. It's cool. I, <laughs> it's refreshing. I, I know I was kind of like sitting here smiling to myself half the time you're talking and I'm going, you have a similar vision. I'm like, this oh, is incredible. Yay. So it's neat, neat to hear that. Yes. Likewise. There you have it. Amy, thank you so much. Do go check out her stuff. And uh, if you get a chance to, you know, watch her on screen, it's great. It was funny. I was, I was uh, talking with some friends and I said, I'm going to have Amy Gumminick on the real Brian show. And I said, she plays Cupid on air. And they're like, oh, I hate that character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But that was the beauty of it is that it was such a believable, believable job. So thank you again, Amy. It was great having you on realbrianshow.com. Again, love to hear from you, but please do go there bookmark it, sign up for the email list. I've actually got something special coming from the, uh, for the email list. If you join it, by the way, I'll tell you about that on Friday as well, but, but very excited for the email list. So go ahead and sign up for that over at realbrianshow.com. And then again, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to the real Brian show on iTunes, Google play, wherever you listen and tell your friends about it. If you like this show. And uh, again, I ask you just to give a little bit of a chance here, you know, listen to it for a little while, see what you think, but I hope you enjoyed this chat with Amy because I certainly did. By the way, if you want to hear more uh, a conversation with Amy and a little bit more arrow focused. We did interview her on arrow squad. You can link over there, arrowsquad.com just a couple of episodes ago. I had a great conversation, definitely a little bit more aerocentric, which was a lot of fun, but she shared some really cool things on there. A couple of the things she shared that were the same here on this episode. It was cool that we got a chance to do two different conversations with that. So do go check it out. If you're interested in hearing a little bit more from Amy in more relation to the character of Cupid. That's all I've got for you today, but uh, see you Friday for Superhero Friday. I hope you enjoyed this little uh, nice three-episode launch, and I hope you uh, are enjoying the show so far. Again, you know I'd love to hear from you, but I want you to get out there, embrace your inner nerd, unleash your superhero. We're going to have some fun with the show. I am The Real Brian, signing off. See ya. Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.